capture the adrenaline that's shooting off in the electricity, he captures it right there on paper. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Hirschfeld. Well, I've drawn ever since I could hold a pencil. Actually, all kids draw. I just never stopped. Do you want to introduce it? I'm happy to introduce it. Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. I'm David Leopold, the creative director of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I'm Catherine Eastman, the archives manager. Today we are talking about... Summer theaters. (laughs) That was a terrible drum roll. Yes. Uh, You have other attributes. Yes. Um, But summer theaters, we thought it was... uh, 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 the right time of the year to do that. Yeah. Summer nice. theaters, uh, the Straw Hat Trail, the Citronella Circuit, uh, extended from Vermont to Virginia, comprised mm-hmm. about 200 theaters, and was very popular in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and parts of it are still going on today. Right. Now, didn't it go up to Maine, though, too? Or is oh, the yeah. highest point in Vermont? No, probably Maine is the okay. highest point. There okay. was the Algonquin Playhouse. Right, and right. And Scott Hegan or something. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Life with Father started there. Oh, uh, wow. One of the longest running plays on Broadway in right, Broadway right. history. Uh, so, uh, no, it, it, it when I say Vermont to Virginia, that's a general. Well, uh, that sounds, the alliteration makes it uh, sound right. better. I'm sorry. But so certainly thanks for puncturing the holes <laughs> in that one. Well, I just wanted to make sure people knew. Maybe I should say Maine to Manassas or something. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, all right. So that's what we're talking about today. And Hirschfeld, the Summer Theater played actually kind of a big role in Hirschfeld's life. Definitely. Um, both uh, during his life and after even. Mm. I mean, it's it's really quite amazing. His first Summer Theater drawing was uh, right when he came back from Bali in 1932. Wow. I mean, literally his first drawing was uh, uh, a drawing titled Leading Players This Week on Some of the Many Summer Stages. <laughs> it's very specific. Yes, and it, <laughs> and it was just a collection of portraits. I don't right. think he actually went to those summer theaters. Mm. But he was probably anxious to do a drawing, uh, may have been anxious to get a paycheck. You right. know, so right. uh, um, summer now, theaters were what was happening. Now, tell us a little bit about the history of summer theaters. How did that kind of come about? Well, it came about because there was no air conditioning in theaters in New York in the summertime. And a lot of shows, even if they were doing good business, closed up in the summertime because nobody wanted to go into a hot theater that wasn't air conditioned. Right. Um, Performers wanted to get out of town because of no air conditioning. And where did they go? To the places that people go when they're hot they go to the beach uh they Mm. go to the mountains they go to rustic areas to get away from the summer heat Mm. and so not surprisingly summer theaters sprouted up in these places um some go back i mean even before the 20th century but for the most part what we're talking about here are the theaters that really sprung up a lot in the 30s that was a very popular time uh for summer theaters because there weren't a lot of entertainment options in the summer Mm. Gotcha. Uh, So he does the uh, leading players many stages. That's in 1932. Uh, The next summer, he does another one that is very similar among those featured this week in new plays on summer stages. Right. He's still just drawing portraits of performers. Okay. So he still hasn't really gone. And it, it, it continues that way until 1935. You know, he, he does a, a drawing a summer, uh, usually portraits of performers. And then in 1935, he does his first summer theater map. 
He makes it look like an old piece of cartography, but it mm. is the eastern seaboard, and it is, and he puts dots all along it for all the different summer theaters that were there. And uh, in fact, he, I think he even uh, signs it. Cartography you know, by Hirschfeld. Yeah, hand drawn, yeah, you know, yeah, fine yeah, hand drawn yeah. cartography by Hirschfeld. Yeah. Uh, and it's a wonderful piece. Yeah. And it includes many of the things that he would include for the next. He would start. He would keep doing summer theater maps more or less for the next twenty years. Wow! Uh, and because that's the time we're now talking. This is when the summer theater movement was at its height. Uh, everybody in you know primarily in New York who was reading the paper was thinking where were they going to be going this summer and what was going to be what was going to be presented there. Right, and these maps are very common. He he returns to this idea of the summer theater maps. Yeah, the next very, year he does frequently. a great one that is a map, but it's completely made up of a collage of train schedules. Right, right. Because that's how New Yorkers would get there. Yeah. But also in 1935, he visits his first summer theater and does his first uh, drawing of a summer theater. It's, uh, he only goes as far as Long Island, Locust Valley, <laughs> the Red Barn Theater. And uh, it's the first time we see a Hirschfeld drawing inside a, a summer theater. And this would become a recurring motif. Uh, he would spend really the next... 10 summers on the road, going to theaters, often uh, capturing the scenes, either on stage, but just as often what was going on backstage. You know, sometimes it would be a composite of different scenes uh, of what was going on at the theater. Oftentimes he would put a little map in the center that would tell you how many miles it was from Times Square. Oh, that's Because cute. Times Square <laughs> was the center of the world, right. obviously. Right, definitely center of theater. At least exactly. in America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in 36, he does, he goes to six different theaters, including one at the County Theater in Suffern, New York, which was sort of Helen Hayes' home base. Mm. And in fact, he does this great drawing that shows a variety of different scenes in Suffern, uh, in, in, at, at the County Theater in Suffern. And this drawing would, uh, in 2008, be the drawing that gets the highest price ever of a Hirschfeld drawing at auction. Wow. $84,000. Wow. Which is not something you would expect at all. No. But I guess if the right people right. both want the drawing. The right drawing with the right people and right. more than one person wanting it. Uh, right, right. I think certainly <laughs> helps. But it's a very atypical Hirschfeld drawing. It's not something you would look at right away and say, gosh, Hirschfeld really got it. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> because it's it's got a lot of detail and it's got a lot of, uh, it's not as completely dependent on line. Mm. Um, but it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful piece and it's a wonderful, it, it captures the scene there. Right. Um, the following summer, he goes to five theaters um, and one of them is very significant. This is 1939. 1939. So on July 1st, 1939, he goes to the opening of the Bucks County Playhouse. Oh. He does a drawing of all the different celebrities who were out front because Bucks County was sort of the Hamptons of the 1930s. Mm. And a lot of Broadway performers and writers and artists lived out in Bucks County. Right. And he captures a number of them in front of the theater, including George Kaufman and his wife, Beatrice. Mm. Beatrice is so upset uh, at her drawing 
that she insists uh, that he be fired from the paper, from the New York Times. And she was a very significant person in her own right. I mean, Kaufman, remember, had been the drama editor of the New York Times, had already won a Pulitzer for his plays mm-hmm. uh, in 1935 for You Can't uh, Take It With You, was a leading director on Broadway. But Beatrice Kaufman was uh, a, a, a script reader, um, an editor, um, a writer in her own right. She she commanded a lot of respect. So if Beatrice Kaufman wanted you fired, mm. uh, for a lot of people, they would have been fired. Uh, fortunately for Hirschfeld, I think both his talent <laughs> and the fact that his drawing of Beatrice Kaufman looks exactly like her. <laughs> Uh, it, it, he didn't lose his job. It helped him. That's it, good. It, uh, it is not a very flattering portrait of her. So he would return to Bucks County uh, a number of times over the years. Uh, he it, it, even when the Bucks County Playhouse was not in Bucks County in 1942 right. uh, because of the war, they are down at the uh, Bellevue Stratford Hotel where they actually perform two or three seasons down there in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, and he does uh, a drawing there, showing the actors in uh, hotel suites as their dressing rooms, right, uh, or practicing on the roof of the uh, of the theater, uh, showing how they decorated the ballroom with uh, leaves right, and branches, branches yeah, to make kind it of rustic things. Yeah, yeah, because people, the idea of going, I mean, the Bucks County Playhouse literally had been a, a, a grist mill, and the right. fact is barns were very typically transformed into summer theaters. So, and this idea of being out in the country, seeing the theater was so was so strong that when they wanted to uh, create an atmosphere in the middle of Philadelphia, they brought the branches with them. Um, and he, so he did probably five or six drawings at the Playhouse, I think in part because not only was it a very well-known Playhouse, it was really one of the sort of highlights of the Straw Hat Trail, but he had a lot of friends in the area. Right. Uh, S.J. Perlman lived nearby. Ruth and Gus Getz, the playwrights, uh, probably most famous for the heiress, mm. uh, lived uh, nearby. Sam Rafelson, who uh, wrote The Jazz Singer, Shop Around the Corner, mm. you know, uh, plays and movies like that, um, he, and who was a good friend of Hirschfeld's, also lived in the area. So he had a lot of reasons to come out and visit. Right. And of course, if there was a show going on, Hirschfeld was like, that was a flame for Hirschfeld's moth, <laughs> I guess. And he had to get there. Uh, so, and it, it, and in fact, he even comes back. Uh, they the original producer of the Playhouse was a guy by the name of Sigin Terrell, but he was such a difficult person that he only produces at the Playhouse for the very first season, right? And then they get rid of him. And ten years later, he opens up the Lambertville Music Circus right across the Delaware River. Yeah, uh, literally. It's literally right. You can see it from the Bucks yes. County Playhouse. You and can see uh, it was a big tent, and they performed in the round, and they did just musicals because the Playhouse at that time was doing almost exclusively plays. Right. Uh, they didn't really start doing musicals until the seventies, mm. really. Wow. Um, uh, uh, but uh, uh, Lambertville Music Circus was all musicals, and so Hirschfeld went out there. Mm. And, and sort of captured that moment, um, but uh, so in a so it was part of his summers. It, you know, there was nothing going on on Broadway, so, so you might as well go somewhere else and find theater and find work. Right. I mean, uh, in addition, you know, he was still doing movie work, uh, but you know, this was a man who loved to draw, so he was going to go where the subject matter subjects matters were to draw. 
Um, and then the following year, 1940, he has a much more significant experience. <laughs> Also in Pennsylvania, he goes out near Hershey, Pennsylvania, to see the Eagles Mirror uh, players. Mm. Um, this is a summer theater troupe started by Ethel Barrymore, Colt Ethel Barrymore's daughter. Mm. Um, they brought in big stars. One of them was a German actress by the name of Dolly Haas, who had been a big star in uh, Germany in the teens and the 20s, had left uh, Germany um uh, in 1933, when uh, because Jews were being, uh, um, you know, uh, prosecuted, you know, right. um, it's really the start of the Nazi era, and she didn't want to be a part of it. Mm. She wasn't Jewish, but the idea that uh, people were treating other fellow citizens that way, she didn't want to be a part of. Anyway, she comes to America. She goes to see. Uh, she goes. Uh, she gets a job at uh, at the Eagles Mears Players, and uh, as she told me the story. Um, she was on stage. She was in a show called Her Cardboard Lover. Uh, she this, The show opens with her sitting on a bed with a cocker spaniel. <laughs> and uh, she said the cocker spaniel was great during rehearsals. Um, on opening night, the curtain opens. The dog looks out and sees a theater full of people. He jumps off the bed, l- goes to the edge of the stage, looks out in the audience jumps off the stage and walks regally up the center aisle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is such a spaniel move. I know <laughs> I know all about that. You would know that better than most. <laughs> uh well, uh as she told me, uh Hirschfeld was in the audience and she said Al said, I have to have that dog. <laughs> <laughs> and he did have they did have Cocker Spaniel uh, yes, eventually, he would, didn't it, they? It, exactly. Yeah. Uh but the fact is Hirschfeld didn't really want the dog. He wanted Dolly Haas. He, it was sort of love at first sight. He really, he thought that she was great. Now, they would not meet for another two years. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they met that night, but they didn't actually go out on a date for another two years. Uh, The summer of 42, he's out in in Hollywood uh, waiting to interview Charlie Chaplin, the subject of another episode altogether. Right, I know. We have to get to that. (laughs) And uh, he's actually at the home. uh, You know, Sam Rafelson has a home out in California. And so, of course, he goes there uh, while he's out in California. He goes there for dinner, and he knows that Rafelson knows Dolly Haas because Rafelson had actually written Shop Around the Corner mm. as a movie for Dolly Haas, and she couldn't uh, play in it because at that time there was this funny rule. Uh, her agent was Myron Selznick, David Selznick's uh, right. uh, brother. Oh, brother. Brother. Uh, was it his dad named Myron? No, his father's name was Lewis. Oh. Um, and Hirschfeld drew Lewis. David and Myron in right. for okay. Selznick pictures in the twenties. Right. I knew I knew the name uh, Myron. So he knew Myron Selznick, but Myron Selznick was both a producer and an agent on this film, and his client as an agent was Dolly Haas. And Hollywood rules said you couldn't do that. Mm. So he had to withdraw Dolly Haas, and they put in Margaret Sullivan, and it's really the making of her career. It's right, a, it's a great movie. Anyway, so. Uh, Hirschfeld knew that uh, Rafelson knew of Dolly Haas. So when he gets there for dinner, just in conversation, he says, do you know where Dolly Haas is at? (laughs) And uh, Sam Rafelson says, I don't, but you should ask that fellow over there. This fellow was leaving. That's her husband. Ouch. Yeah. (laughs) Things you don't want to hear. Well, Hirschfeld asked her, asked him. Right. And uh, much to his delight, it turns out that they were getting divorced. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, this fellow was leaving. Just was uh, uh, John Brom, uh, Dolly's husband, 
who, as a German, had a curfew. If you were German mm, in 1942, right. you had to be home by a certain time, so he couldn't stay for dinner. Mm. Uh, but before he leaves, he tells uh, Al that they're getting that he and Dolly are getting divorced, and that she's in New York uh, performing uh, uh, in the Chalk Garden with the Piscators downtown. Mm. So Hirschfeld, when he gets back to New York, goes and uh, sees the show. Goes backstage. I think he thought it was going to go well because stuck in Dolly's uh, dressing room mirror is his drawing of Charlie Chaplin from his interview that he had done for the New York Times magazine. Right, when he was just out in California. Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. That's such a sweet meet cute. Oh, That's yeah, meet cute. Called. Yeah. Well, uh, and of course, the story continues because within a year they decide to get married. They're in a taxi cab going to City Hall when uh, Dolly says, when did you get divorced? Because uh, Al had been married before. And uh, Al couldn't remember, so they stopped the <laughs> cab. He gets out. He calls his first wife, Flo Allen, who tells him that they had never gotten divorced. Oh, no. So uh, they had to wait, obviously. <laughs> so that's a, that comes out of summer theater. Right. I mean, that's, that's a summer theater drawing. Um, and that same year, in 1940, he does his first drawing of Gene Kelly. Mm. Uh, who is just a sort of up-and-coming performer Aww. who is starring and directing in uh, Two Weeks Pay in White Plains. Mm. Um, but summer theater is becoming such a big deal by that point that the Times Magazine runs an article called Every Barnes a Stage, and Hirschfeld does drawings uh, of the the characters, the, the type of ingenues, the type of leading right, ladies, right. the character actors you would see. Um, and... It's it's a symbol. It's a sign that uh, summer theaters everybody knows about them. Mm. I mean, there are these types now. Right. Uh, so in 1941, he continues going. Uh, he does a great drawing uh, in June of uh, 1941 of all these stars waiting at a train station, and it's titled "Some of the People Who Will Be in Summer Theaters in uh, uh, in 19 that summer." Right. And like uh, so many of the summer theater drawings are. Titled. Yes, <laughs> these sort of generic things. Yes. This is what's happening this summer. Right. Uh, but this one's a little bit different because it's not a map. It's these different performers. Hirschfeld signs it with sort of a self-portrait signature. Mm. And in it, he captures actually a moment in uh, uh, sort of uh, performance history because that summer... Again, at the Bucks County Playhouse, mm -hmm. uh, George Kaufman and Moss Hart are going to actually perform in a play that they wrote about a show that was inspired by their homes in Bucks County, right. The Man Who Came to Dinner. And uh, uh, the other person who's going to be in it is Harpo Marx, who's <laughs> playing in the role that is based on Harpo Marx. And he actually talks on stage which was considered a big deal, although, as if you read uh, Robert Bader's uh, Four of the Three Musketeers, you realize that Harpo talked on stage a lot of bit more than we were led to believe. Right, right. Uh, but uh, Still it, a rarity. Still a rarity. But right. that summer, Harpo would not only be in Man Who Came to Dinner, Hirschfeld captures him in a Marblehead, Massachusetts, mm. uh, where he's doing a play called The Yellow Jacket. Uh, another speaking role. Another speaking role with Alexander Wolcott. Mm. Uh, so, um, you know, Hirschfeld is, he's going to, he went to five summer theaters that, uh, well, he did drawings of five summer theaters. He may have gone to more. Um, and as I said, in 1942, there, uh, there, 
summer theaters are kind of uh, put on hold. Not that they didn't perform, but it's a much more restricted thing. People didn't leave the city to go to summer theaters right. because the war was on. Right. And so uh, you had gas rations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your uh, gas ra- rubber uh, right. was uh, in short supply. Right. So just even if you could get the gas, you may not want to use your tires to, mm, to go there. To get to the playhouse. Um, and, uh, <laughs> The trains were still running out there, but people didn't do as much traveling around. I mean, it was a really, it was wartime austerity Mm. and scarcity. And there really isn't another summer theater drawing uh, until, he doesn't do another summer theater map until 1946. Mm. And I don't think that's a chance. I think that's because of the war. Right. Um, And he starts, he keeps doing uh, summer theater maps for the next couple of years. He doesn't go to as many summer theaters. And my guess is that's because he has a family now. Right. He doesn't uh, want to leave him. He doesn't want to leave him. Yeah. And uh, I also think that more and more uh, air conditioning is coming into Broadway theaters. Uh, theaters don't go dark in the summertime. Mm. And it's really sort of this sea change that's happening. It's Summer theaters are still a big thing for the next 10 years. But more and more theaters happening in New York over the summer. And that allows him to stay in New York or, or go to Europe or, you know, whatever he wanted to do um, for as much as he wanted to do. I mean, 1947, there's no summer theater map because Hirschfeld's not in the country. He's traveling around the world with S.J. Perlman for Westward High. Oh, right. That would be a good episode. Oh, yeah. We're going to do a Westward okay, High yeah. episode for sure. I mean, that's uh, around the world. Around the, the, yeah. Sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> around the world in 80 cliches, as Perlman put it. Yes. Uh, so... Um, so summer theater, uh, by 1952, um, the, he's not doing, he's not doing a map. Well, he does a map, but his drawings, uh, and he goes out to Jones Beach, but he does a drawing of all the Hollywood performers who were coming to play at summer theaters because, Mm. uh, these big stars would come and do one week stock at different summer theaters. So in 1952, for instance, Angela Lansbury comes from Hollywood and she does a Broadway hit state of, uh, state of the union or affairs of state affairs of state. And she does it at eight different summer theaters all along the straw hat trail. Mm. And she was not alone in this. A lot of performers did it. Sally Rand. There's a great drawing that Hirschfeld did in, uh, I think 41 or 42 of Sally Rand at the, uh, Woodstock playhouse, uh, which had just opened three years earlier. She was performing in Somerset mom's reign. Right. And she had been doing that for a number of years. So Um, these big names would kind of have, quote unquote, their shows that they knew or their favorite shows or their favorite roles. And that's what they would take around to the playhouses, the summer theaters. And the theaters would supply the supporting cast. Right, right. And they would do a couple days of rehearsal and then go into the show. Uh, You know, summer stock was like, if one week stock was meant that performers were, uh, actors were doing a show at night. And if they were in the next show, they were rehearsing a different show during the day. Wow. And this kept on going. And, you know, uh, then they would go to two-week stock. Mm. But it was, a, it's, it was a totally crazy way of doing it. <laughs> and you had to be really interested in acting and performing because this was insanity. Intensive. Yes. Very <laughs> intensive. Very intensive. So uh, the summer theater scene changes uh, because, as I said, air conditioning comes into Broadway theaters. Um, And then in 1961, uh, Hirschfeld does his first drawing of Joe Papp presenting free theater in Central Park, Shakespeare. Mm. Uh, And that soon becomes his summer theater drawings. 
You know, he doesn't have to go far afield to see stars in summer productions. It's all happening in Central Park, just right. blocks away from his house. Mm. Uh, and so he goes on and does wonderful drawings of uh, Hamlet with Alfred Ryder. And uh, um, he does uh, James Ray as Henry V. Uh, eventually he'd be doing, you know... Uh, 25 years later, he's doing uh, uh, Tracy Ullman and Morgan Freeman in Taming of the Shrew, oh, uh, right. Patrick Stewart in The Tempest. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these really great uh, the sort of classic Shakespeare in the Park productions. Uh, right. uh, he was, you know, Shakespeare in the Park has been in the news this year, um, but it would be in the news many years. And what Joe Papp did for the city and, and really for Shakespeare is a remarkable, remarkable thing. Mm. And he was the kind of producer that Hirschfeld loved in the sense of he could make something happen. You know, he could really put on a show no matter if he had nothing or a lavish set. Yeah, right. it's that it's that kind of thing that he loved to do. Um, Hirschfeld's last trip on the road uh, to see a summer theater actually happens in 1966 when he goes all the way to Michigan. <laughs> uh, there's a Greek theater festival and Bert Lahr is uh, in the Orestes, I think, or the Birds. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful drawing that's now in the collection of Harvard University. Mm. Um, but it's the last time he goes on the road for summer theater. Um, his last real sort of summer theater drawing is in 1980 when he does a drawing of different performers who were going to be in summer stock like Richard Thomas in Whose Life Is It Anyway and John Raitt in Carousel, which mm. he had actually done on Broadway, of course. Van Johnson in Tribute, which Jack Lemmon had done. Right. Uh, so uh, it's it, it, it keeps on going on as, as long as 1980. But mm. really by the, by the mid-50s, I think his last map is in 1956. Mm. Uh, and that's really the sort of end of of the very popular culture devoted to the Straw Hat Trail. Now, of course, there's great summer theaters that are still going on. Westport Playhouse, right. of course, the Bucks County Playhouse, the Barter Theater. He did a drawing of the Barter Theater. Oh, right. In so 19- tell us about the Barter Theater. Love to tell you about the Barter <laughs> Theater. My, uh, my wife performed down there one time. The Barter Theater was started in the 1930s by this guy by the name of Bob Porter. And uh, the premise of the Barter Theater was if you couldn't uh, pay for a ticket, you could barter uh, your something you grew or uh, maybe an animal, animal that you had. Right, right. Uh, I think there are animals in the drawing. Oh, yeah, people yeah. bringing their chickens and their yep. lambs and, <laughs> and, and whatnot. Uh, that's become the State Theater of uh, uh, Virginia. Oh, interesting. Um, and... So, I mean, Hirschfeld was capturing all of this. I mean, his drawings are a veritable archive of summer theaters. I mean, that's just one more piece of the popular culture puzzle that Hirschfeld so thoroughly documented. Mm, mm-hmm. um, it's so unusual. Uh, and it was so short, relatively short-lived. It, it lasted about 25 years. Right. Interesting. Um, summers uh, ended up being uh, very important to Hirschfeld because even though the theater season was over, it's actually in 1965 there's nothing going on in New York. I mean, Joe Papp has started uh, right, Shakespeare right. in the Park, and he's done a drawing, actually did a drawing that summer of Joe Papp uh, in uh, Central Park. But he's a guy who likes to draw, and he wants to draw things for the Times, even though he has other clients. He like, You know, he's got this... Um, He's, he's going to draw at least 26 pieces for the Times. Mm. And he finally convinces them to let him draw a movie. 
because up until 1965, the New York Times would not let Hirschfeld draw film. They huh. thought they were moving pictures and they should be illustrated by photographs. Oh, so, interesting. So uh, did that was the first uh, film drawing that Hirschfeld did. What was the, the film drawing? Uh, Ship of Fools. Oh, wow. Yeah, a great, a great piece yep. with Vivian Lee and an yep. all-star cast. Uh, but... That's where summer theater, you know, or the the lack of summer theater, uh, we <laughs> right. get we start getting uh, Hirschfeld drawings of the uh, of, of films in the in the New York Times. <laughs> uh, so it, he he loved it, and of course some some summers he would go away to uh, Europe, you know, uh, and travel around there. And in the in the nineteen ninety six he goes to uh, Europe. And, uh, of course, what does he do when he's over there? He sees theater. Right. And Hirschfeld was always a very smart guy uh, when it came to uh, uh, money and his taxes and whatnot. He knew that if he did a drawing when he was over there, he could write off the trip. Right. <laughs> That's very smart. Uh, so Hirschfeld comes back with a drawing called the London Sketchbook. Mm-hmm. And it's this composite of uh, several different shows that he saw that, that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would do it again. Uh, what is that? An, an artist? I think it's a uh, stage struck artist abroad. Yeah, that's... I uh, think it's 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yep. He and Louise go over there. I think that, that where they go over together in 96. Um, and uh, it's a, it, they're great drawings. Yeah. Uh, the two, th- you know, stage struck artist abroad includes uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. One of Catherine's all-time favorites. One of favorites. my all-time favorite movies and um, one of my new favorite shows. <laughs> <laughs> I am so disappointed it didn't, didn't come to Broadway. It was at the Paper Mill Playhouse. Right. Was the Paper Mill a summer theater? Uh, probably started as a yeah. summer theater for, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know the exact history of that, but yeah. it, but there were these playhouses. Same idea. Yeah. yeah just it, outside the city. and Just yeah. outside the city. Well, this was when Hunchback was in German. It was Die Glocke something. <laughs> something about the bells something about the bells uh, but yeah uh, Hunchback uh, uh, Hirschfeld never drew Hunchback in any form right except in this little drawing yes yeah, so that's one thing Hirschfeld did not draw any Hunchbacks oh I'm oh, sorry oh. no I'm I forgive me wait 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 what about uh, Richard III. Yes, he yeah. drew Richard III. Al Pacino. Uh, Al Pacino, although that was not a Shakespeare uh, in the park production. Right, no, it's just, well, Al Pacino did it on stage and then he made a movie, right? Right. Oh, years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. But this was for the stage. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that is sort of bringing down the curtain on summer theaters <laughs> and Al Hirschfeld. Um, we actually, you can see a lot of these drawings up online. Yes. We actually have a number of summer theater drawings also in the Al Hirschfeld Foundation shop. Right. Uh, dot dot org. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go there, you can get uh, um, artist proofs of uh, limited edition prints that Hirschfeld did. Right. Um, we do present some drawings there, some and t-shirts. The, and the drawings are really neat to look at because uh, they're photographs of the actual drawings. Yes. So you can see, uh, you know, the stamps that the Times made on them. or The coffee stains. Yeah, it's really cool. So you can really see what... Um, what they look like, not in black and white, but as a real artifact, as a real piece of art. Right. Artifact is exactly what they yeah. are. And we try to provide some additional information uh, about the specific drawings. Um, there's a wonderful drawing they did for Collier's, another great Collier's drawing, of uh, the intermission at the Petrified oh, Forest. Right, right. Uh, Me and summer my Collier's theater. drawing. Yes. Catherine Collier's Eastman. <laughs> <laughs> not They're her name. just very sweet. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so you should go check out there. You should always check out uh, the foundation website, alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Uh, you can look up any drawing there by performer, by production, by publication, by genre, by date, by theater season, by year. Yep. Really, if you can't find it on there, it's because you're not looking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can find the podcast at alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash podcast S for summer theater. Okay. Uh, we'll And uh, I'll put all the drawings in the show notes, of course, as usual. Uh, Facebook, we're the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. Twitter and Instagram at Al Hirschfeld. We post every day. Um, if you can't wait for us to tell you more stories, you can buy the book, uh, The Hirschfeld Century, A Portrait of an Artist and His Age, uh, published by Kanaf and written by me. Um, you can either get that on Amazon or you can get it uh, a signed copy at the uh, Hirschfeld Foundation uh, shop. web uh, shop. Yep, yep. Yeah. We will in- inscribe it to you and send it right to your door. Exactly. <laughs> Happy to do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. Okay, so long for now. Bye.